0: I hope this is the last time that i 'll be preaching for a while. Uh, i've preached eleven messages in the last month and uh, so i'm ready to uh, I'm ready to retire and uh, hopefully pastor will come home this time and hang out for a while, and everything will be back to normal so praise the lord I, I'm praying that he gets home safely and I hope you do the same all right let 's take our Bibles tonight we're going to preach tonight the second part of a message that I started last Wednesday evening on the character of the saints. So if you'll take your Bibles with me and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and stand please. 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll read verses 7 through 12 from 1 Peter chapter 2. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people." But are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let's pray. Our Father, we are humbled tonight as we stand in your presence and realize that you love us, that you care about us, that you concern yourself over us. And Lord, I'm reminded of the words of King David when he said, What art man, that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of Man that thou visitest him. And Lord, we don't understand tonight why you love us, we don't understand why you chose us, why you called us, but Lord, we just praise you that you did. And we ask tonight that Holy Spirit, you would instruct us and teach us and show us from thy word how we ought to conduct ourselves as God's children. Thank you for this time now. We ask you to bless the preaching of your word, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we began a study on the character of the saints. And we define character as the inherent complex of attributes that determines a person's moral and ethical actions and reactions. In our study last week, we saw that that the widely accepted Christianity of today is a denominational smorgasbord and has become corrupted by the heretical doctrines of false faiths. We said that we must learn of and return to the tenets of true Christianity. Last week, I shared three characteristics of a true believer I'd like to just go over those real quickly to bring us, uh, catch us up in our minds. Number one, I said true believers are called and chosen. True believers are of the election of grace. They hear the voice of Christ and they respond to that and only that voice. But then secondly, last week, we said that true believers are contrite. And to be contrite means to be sorrowful for sin. So often today we see people that have no sorrow over their sin. And we looked at uh, the fact that uh, in, in, in the Old Testament days, men could no longer blush for their evil, uh, for they had become cold and, and callous toward, toward God. And then thirdly, last week, we, we looked at the fact that true believers are humble, that they're not haughty in spirit, but that uh, they're not proud, they're not arrogant, but they are humble in the sight of God. They realize who and what they are. And it is by God's grace that they are what they are today. So tonight I I want to continue looking at uh, the characteristics of a saint and and look at four more characteristics which are found in Scripture. And certainly, as I said before, there are many others, but time restraints don't allow me to examine everything that that the Bible would say about this. So we'll just continue with these, these ones that are most prominent in Scripture. It's become... It's a sad thing, but it's become normal in Christianity for people to think that sinning is normal. Uh, people use that excuse all the time. Well, I'm only human. Uh, well, it's normal for teenagers to behave poorly. It's it's normal for this or it's normal for that. But I'm here tonight to tell you it's not normal. It's not natural. We are children of God. We are new creatures. We have been given the nature of Christ, and we have the mind of Christ. And when we sin, that is not natural. For it's not natural for Christ to sin, and it's not natural for his children to sin either. So stop hiding behind excuses. It's not okay to do wrong. It's not okay, it's not natural, it's not normal for a child of God to sin. It's abnormal. Those, those of you men who went to retreat with us last year, you heard Brother Ekno preaching about this. If you remember, he would go, whew, where did that come from? That's not normal. And it's not normal for a child of God to sin. You young people in this room, it's not okay. It's not normal to behave like brute beasts. And it's important that we quit hiding behind that that curtain and, and stop and realize that as God's children who bear the nature of Christ... The normal thing for us is to live in righteousness, to walk in holiness. So that's important for us to remember as we go on into this study. Now tonight I want to look at number four on our list, and that is true believers are faithful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, "...let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is obvious from the context of these scriptures that Paul is speaking to believers, to the elect saints of God. Therefore, it is easy to establish that as believers we are to be faithful. And to be faithful is to be consistent in our affections and our allegiance. It is to be marked by fidelity to another. So in the context of our study tonight... We are to be in allegiance to the Lord. We are to give all our affections to Jesus Christ alone. We are to establish our fidelity to God above all others. This would imply our complete surrender to God and the furtherance and the work of his kingdom. Today, I I see so many people who are more concerned with furthering their own agenda than they are with furthering the kingdom of God and and fulfilling the work of God and being faithful to that work. And that's to God's kingdom and not to this earthly kingdom. For this kingdom that we sit upon today, this terrestrial ball that we call earth, is not the Lord's. In John chapter 18 and verse 36, we read, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So if this kingdom is not God's, then whose is it? Well Paul tells us in Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And from this verse, we can see that the present God of this world is Satan himself. This is not God's kingdom. So that means that we are citizens of another kingdom. In essence, tonight, you and I are foreign ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 20, the first part of that verse Paul says now then are we ambassadors for Christ. And as ambassadors we are to represent our Lord in this kingdom. And to properly res- represent our Lord in this kingdom we must be faithful to the purposes and will of our king. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 through 20 Paul states what? "...know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's." We are bought with a price, and that price was the blood of Jesus. The death of Christ as a sacrificial death for our sin on the cross. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. It is not for us to choose." It is for God to purpose his will. We must be faithful, faithful to all our responsibilities as ambassadors of Christ. We must be faithful tonight to pray. Someone asked me uh, recently, well, what good does it do to pray if it's not in the will of God? Well, you and I don't know all the will of God. We only know God, the, the, the part of God's will that he reveals to us. The Lord does not reveal everything to man. He only reveals to us what we need to know. But little do we know whether or not our prayer may make the difference in someone's life. Therefore, we are to pray. And we are not to stop praying. We are not to become weary in prayer. If we pray 20 years, if we pray 40 years, if we pray 50 years for a soul, and that person never gets saved... Our time wasn't wasted. It is for, uh, not for us to determine uh, the will of God. It is for us to pray that God will answer the prayers of his people. So we must be faithful to pray. Many years ago, I, I spoke with uh, uh, Brother Harry Buer. Maybe some of you remember. He's a converted Roman Catholic priest, and he came here. And he was sharing with me that no matter where he, he would go in the foreign countries... All the people would come to him and ask, Brother Buer, can you pre- please teach the American Christians how to pray? We have a testimony as Americans of being people who do not pray, and that's sad. So we'll be faithful to pray. Then we we'll to be faithful to meditate and, and study the scriptures. The word of God is a precious thing. Now, I'm not a very sentimental guy, so... Um, I, don't keep, I, I don't keep letters, you know, cards. I'm sorry, but you send me a Christmas card, I'll read it and I'll go, Oh and then I'll throw it away. I'm not the most sentimental guy in the world, okay? Sorry, I hate to burst your bubble. If you want to send me a card, send me an e-card, and then I'll file it in a file somewhere, and, and that, that'll be great. But uh, I'm not the most sentimental guy, and I, that may not be the best thing to be, but I'm not. But I want to tell you something. This is a precious letter. It is a precious book. It is God revealing his heart to you. And it is God giving us the directions we must follow and the principles by which we must live. So we need to be faithful to meditate upon the word of God. I fear the average Christian today only, only opens his Bibles on Sunday. And that's a sad reality. We need to spend time in the Word of God, meditate. Uh, another thing we need to be faithful to is attend the services of the church. Why do you come to church? Some people, when they know the pastor isn't here, don't come. Is that because you, 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 you're serving the pastor? You're worshiping the pastor? The pastor is important? Uh, listen, I, serve, I, love, I love our pastor, and I serve him, but he knows this about me. I serve Berean Baptist Church. This is the Lord's house. This is the Lord's church. This is what I serve. My loyalties to a man only go to a certain extent. My loyalties to God's church is first and foremost. Jesus died for the church. He gave himself for the church. He loves the church, and so must we. Be faithful to attend the services of your church. My goodness, what's more important than church? And by the way, those of you parents who are here with your children, don't ever allow School the next day to keep your child out of church on Wednesday night. Now take this in context. I'd rather have an, Ill, an illiterate child than one who, who lays out of church. The one thing I try to teach my children all their years is nothing is more important than church. We don't, we don't f- fit church into our schedule. We plan our schedule around church and make sure that we're faithful to that. Uh, next, we need to be faithful to labor in the local church ministries. It's so hard to get people to take on tasks around here because they, they don't want to commit. And I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just telling you the facts. We have been in desperate need of a college and career ministry for the last 10 years. Who's going to run those ministries if not God's people, not members in this church? You say, well, I don't have time. Well, a lot of people that, that labor in the ministries around here don't have time. You have to make time. If you sit down and wait for time to, to, to come available, you're going to be waiting a long time. You've got to make time for those things. Uh, what else do we need to be faithful to? To be a living witness of the gospel. A living witness of the gospel. I, I, I believe in nothing is more important than, than leading by example. I've never been one to sit in a, in a high-back chair and say, go do this and go do that and go over there and go over here. I've never been one to do that. Those of you that have worked alongside of me know that's true. I learned a lesson as a young man that it's easier to get people to work with you than for you. And be a leader. Show your ch- lead your children to serve in the local church. Be a living witness of the gospel. Uh, be faithful to tithe and, and give offerings. Listen, I know it's hard to let go of that money. I know things are tight, but they're going to get a lot tighter if you don't obey the Lord. Amen? Just, just do it automatically. Don't, don't sit on that tithe for a week and decide if you're going to give it. Give it. Tithe and offer. Be faithful to that. Be faithful. Next, to teach and admonish your children. Listen, it's your job to teach your children. It's not the pastor's. A lot of people bring their kids to church and set them in the pew and say, Okay, pastor, I got a rotten kid. Make him good. doesn't work that way, folks. By the way, do you know do you know who the pastor is actually supposed to be teaching? The husband. And the husband is supposed to go home and teach his family. That's one of the reasons women are to keep quiet in church. One of many. But you need to teach and admonish your children. You're the one that needs to teach them by 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 your own example, by controlling yourself. By opening your Bible at home and by teaching your children the, the wonders and mysteries of God, uh, we must be faithful next to love one another, faithful to love one another. I've been saying this for years. Christians are cannibals. How many of you have ever ever watched baby chickens growing up, huh? Any of you ever ever be around chickens? What happens when one chicken gets wounded? All the other chickens start attacking it. They all peck at it. When, when, we, when I was little, we, we raised chickens, and if you, ha- if you see a chicken that's hurt, you better get him out of there because by, di- by, by nighttime, he'll be bones. He'll be gone. They devour each other, and that's the way Christians are. We get mad at somebody. We get angry at somebody. We don't like somebody. We're like a bunch of chickens, just peck, 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 peck. Pretty soon, other ones come along and say, hey, let me have some of that. peck, 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 peck. And we consume one another. We must be faithful to love one another. I preached this just recently. You don't have to like someone to love them. So, but we do need to love each other. We do need to respect one another. We do need to, to, to com- have concern for one another and love one another. And then we must be faithful to love all men. Not just our brethren, all men. Our enemies, those that hate us, those in foreign countries... We're to love all men. And there's so much more that we need to be faithful to. This characteristic of faithfulness is rapidly deteriorating in our Christian faith today. But let me say this let it not so be named among we at Berean Baptist Church. Let us be faithful people. But then, number five, true believers are spirit led. True believers are spirit led. In Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 14, Paul states, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I want you to look closely at verse 14, where it states, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. Now this phrase, led by the Spirit of God, denotes being under the control of the Holy Spirit. It does not merely imply that you follow the Spirit. In fact, it means that you are being led by him. It has the connotation of one man leading a blind man. When you lead a blind man, what do you do? You take him by the hand... And you, you bring him along. You don't go to a blind man and say, hey, I'm over here. Come on. Come on. Oh, watch that big hole. That's not, how, that's not how it's done. A helpless blind man is led by another. He, he, he's taken by the hand and he's, he's gently and carefully brought from one point to another. And this is what this verse is implying when it says being led by the spirit of God. It has the connotation, if you will, of a parent taking their child by the hand and teaching them how to walk, teaching them right from wrong, teaching them uh, character as they grow. It's not just, it's not just, just uh, leading the way and have them follow you. It's literally bringing them along. And this is what Paul is implying in Romans, that we are to be, we are to be brought along by the Spirit. We are to be under His control, and we are to to uh, allow him to guide us and lead us. It is a display of the powerful and efficacious grace of God. For the Holy Spirit always leads us away from sin. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, we read, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit always leads us away from sin. If we find ourselves in the place of sin, we were not led there by the Holy Spirit. We were led there by our own flesh. But also he leads us away from self-reliance or self-dependence. The Spirit-filled life is clearly evident that we are the children of God, for only a child of God can possess the Holy Spirit of God. Thus Paul said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This is also expressed by Paul in Romans chapter 6 when he addresses the concept of servitude. In Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, we read, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, ...but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law... But under grace. Did you see that in verse 14? He states, Sin shall not have dominion over you. Now, this is different as in other times in Scriptures when he said, Let not sin. In this particular passage of Scripture, Paul says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. This is a proclamation. He is saying that sin cannot and it shall not rule over you it's an absolute promise now this is not to mean that we cannot sin however it does mean that sin does not have the power to dominate you as it did before you were saved before you were saved you could not help but sin you were powerless over the flesh but now the, the, the flesh and sin have been mortified. You remember a little while ago we, re, we read the scripture that said mortify the deeds of the flesh. The definition of the word mortify is to limit the authority of. What God has done at our salvation is limited the power of sin. It's like a, it's like a, a hornet that has his stinger removed. It can be real annoying, but he can't hurt you. And that's what sin in the flesh is to the believer. God has mortified the the, the flesh. He He has limited the power and authority of the flesh. If you sin, it's not because you had to, it's because you chose to. If you go away with nothing else tonight, go away with that. When you sin, it's because you want to sin, not because you have to sin. Sin cannot rule over you. It has no dominion over you. That is a promise from God. The Holy Spirit will not allow sin to rule your life. Only you can do that. Now this, uh, thus Paul's opening statement in this chapter, in chapter 6, verse 1, where he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that Grace may abound? No, no, a true believer will not use grace as a license to sin. Anyone who could do that would not be a true believer. He would be one of the tares amongst the wheat that we spoke of last Wednesday evening. And these tares amongst the wheat are exposed by their walk. A false believer will will, will live in the works of the flesh. But a true believer will live in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. True believers are called and chosen. True believers are of a contrite heart. True believers are humble before God. True believers are faithful. True believers are spirit-led. And then number six tonight, true believers are obedient. True believers are obedient. First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, we read, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, I preached uh, on on obedience Sunday night when we spoke about, uh, or or Sunday morning, I'm sorry, when we spoke about the walk of the believer. So, I'm not going to take a lot of time here, but I do want to say this. To be obedient, uh, by definition, is to submissively comply with the commands, orders, or injunctions of one in authority. Now, the word injunctions is very interesting. Uh, The word injunction... Means cease and desist now in most modern dictionaries today when you look up the definition of the word obedient you're not going to find injunctions in there anymore as a matter of fact I looked in our high school class in the Oxford Dictionary it defines obedient as obeying or ready to obey but that's not the scriptural definition of obedience Uh, so why is injunction so important to us? Why is that word in the definition so important? Well, because it means to cease and desist. In other words, it means stop what you are doing. True believers are obedient to their Lord, which means that they submissively and willingly cease and desist from their old nature, from their old lifestyles. You see, before we were saved, we, we attempted to obey the law. However, the law was never written to give us a goal to reach for. Because God knew that we could never in our natural state keep the law. What was the law? The law is a schoolmaster. The law is a teacher. And the lesson uh, it is designed to teach us is that we have no hope apart from Jesus Christ. It is designed to cause us to see ourselves as we are sinners condemned, and apportioned to the lake of fire. However, as God's children, we have graduated. And when you graduate, you don't need a teacher anymore. I tell my students all the time, why do we have to learn this? I said, because you don't know it. If you knew everything, you wouldn't have to go to school, would you? Why would you go to school if you already know everything there is to know? You go to school to be taught. That's why it's important. And the, 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 the commandments, the law, was never written to, for us to, to keep to get to heaven. That's not why it was written. We can't get to heaven because we are sinners. And the law is, is written to show us what we are, hopeless and helpless in our natural state. As God's children, tonight, we are free from the law of sin and death. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And now we are called to be obedient children, to cease and desist from the former life, the old nature, and to live in the newness of life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6:4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, true believers are called and chosen, we know this, by the election of grace. True believers are of a contrite heart. We are sorrowful. We are grieved at our sin. True believers are humble before God, not arrogant, not proud, submissive, realizing who and what we are. True believers are faithful, faithful to the Lord and and faithful to serve in the kingdom. True believers are spirit-led, mortifying the deeds of the flesh and, and living in the fullness of God's Spirit. True believers are obedient to their Lord. And then lastly, true believers are steadfast. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 57 and 58, Paul writes, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now to be steadfast by definition is to be marked by firm determination or resolution, not shakable. Now this is an attribute uh, that I like. I-, I like this characteristic of being steadfast, always in your place always doing what you know to do and always abounding in the work of the Lord always growing always going forward looking to 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 do more and more in your life for the Lord Jesus Christ I like this I like this this attribute now I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 1 Psalm 1 This is a passage of scripture, most have it committed to memory. But look with me at Psalm 1. We read here, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now look at verse 3. And he shall be like a tree Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper Corey go ahead and bring up those slides I have here some slides of a tree and the root system of those trees now some roots on it will grow as deep as the tree is tall So if a tree is 30 feet tall, the roots go 30 feet deep. Others will spread down and outward to a greater circumference than the canopy of the tree itself. The roots of a tree serve to make the tree unmovable, at least not without great effort. When I was a boy, my dad chopped down a tree that was about 30 feet tall. And uh, he chopped that tree down. I'll never forget, that was, a, that was an entire weekend project. And it was no easy task, getting rid of that tree. And then getting rid of the stump was even harder. Altogether, it took my dad several weeks to dig down and, and, and chop up those root systems on that tree until he, he was able to, to, to kill that tree. The roots provide much of the water and the nutrients needed to help the tree to to grow and to continue to grow. Jesus talked about this, this this shallow rootedness in people. He talked about it in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 20 where he read, where he stated, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while, For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by, he is offended. Now this is in stark contrast to the blessed man we find in in Psalm 1. The seed we see in Matthew chapter 13 has no root. It cannot grow because of the stony ground upon which it fell. It may sprout, such as the case of some who, who come to church and hear the gospel and and they get all excited, and for a few short weeks, or maybe even a few short months, they, 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 they seem to be doing great. But they only last for a short while, because when persecution comes, or trouble comes, or when, they, when, when someone wasn't as nice to them as they thought they should be, or, or when they were disappointed by something that happened, they wither and die. They go away. I've seen many people come and go, over the the last 30 years in the ministry those who were true believers continue in their faith they continue to abound in the knowledge and service of the Lord but those who are not true believers those who out of emotional experiences are are out of of selfish needs uh, feigned belief they just fade away and they forsake the Lord, and they forsake his kingdom's work. So what are we tonight? Are we like the blessed man of Psalm 1? Or are we like the stony ground of Matthew chapter 13? Now there is, there is much more that, that needs to be considered when, when we examine the character of the saints But you will need to continue that study on your own. And I pray that that this this study we put together over the last couple of weeks will prompt you to continue looking into the characteristics of, of true believers. Because it is my desire tonight to be everything that God wants me to be. It is my desire tonight to have all the characteristics and all the attributes that would bring glory and honor to his name. And sadly enough, often we don't know those characteristics. But God promises us that if we study his scriptures, if we search, that he will give us all the truth we need. If you lack wisdom, seek the Lord, and he who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, he will give you all the wisdom you desire. But we must seek, we must ask. We must live our lives being led by the Spirit so that we might glorify the Lord in all things. Let us pray. Our Father, we come before you tonight as children. We lack wisdom many times, often we lack faith, we have doubts. And, Father, you have given us your word so that we might have the wisdom. And you've given us your word so that we would not doubt, so we could walk and live in assurance and faith. But, Father, we're, we're just children. Someday we'll stand in heaven and we'll have perfect wisdom. But now we're just children. And as children need their fathers, we need you. Help us, Lord. Help us to to learn these characteristics. Help us to to strive to be Christ-like in all that we do. And, Lord, we're not going to hide behind the the curtain that says, well, it's only natural. We're not going to hide behind that that wall of of excuse. We're going to say tonight that we don't have to sin because you have given us the power over sin. Sin does not have dominion over us. It cannot rule us. We are led by and ruled by your Holy Spirit. So strengthen us now as we go our separate ways. I pray you'd give us a witness in our hearts. And Lord, that we would proclaim the gospel to all men that we meet. And Father, one day we'll be gathered together with you in heaven and we'll rejoice. And forevermore, we will live in your presence. But for now, give us the strength we need to serve you, to glorify you in all things. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for this.